listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm RJ live in Las Vegas, live on a Tuesday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. A lot of action in the NBA, baby, playing mania. And we'll have an early preview on the game that starts early. So you're ready to bet on it. Sports bettors, they listen for the money. Sports fans, they listen to no more than their buddies. I'm the pro. He's the Joan L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we have some NFL news and notes, we've also got a play-in tournament that gets underway here shortly in the NBA. What is the Vegas lead here on this Tuesday? Let's talk about Joe Burrow. Here's a guy that we forget, I think, some of us, that he was, well, the number one pick, but also he was really playing well. I remember Fez, his famous, uh, I like the, Bengals over the Ravens and it's like why he goes Joe Burrow so that one didn't work out too well but I think the injury has us off the scent a little bit and I want to talk Burrow and I'll be honest with you I'm going to ask you this question Jonas you should be ready for it if the draft happened that just happened happened again and Joe Burrow was in this draft where would you have picked him? So you can answer that now. You can answer it later. But that's the question I want to know because I think it's fascinating to really consider where he would go. Uh, I, I would have taken Trevor Lawrence over Joe Burrow. but nobody And then else. Joe Burrow second. Yeah, Joe Burrow second. You seem to really fall prey to those flowing locks. It's there, There's something about it. As somebody who's never had straight hair, I would love the opportunity to have it at one time. But no, I just, if we're talking about Joe Burrow as, you know, seeing one year sample size in the NFL, of course I would take him. But if it was just blindly, how are they going to do in the at the NFL level? You know, Trevor Oh, Lawrence no, 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 no. Pick. Here's the question, though. You know everything now that you know. And, and that's pro and con. Excuse me. Meaning Joe Burrow has a hurt knee. You know, he's recovering from the knee. That's a negative. But the positive is you saw him play, I think it was nine games at a high level, it would seem, for a rookie quarterback. That guy, the actual Joe Burrow, if somehow the Bengals renounced his rights and it went back into the draft, who would you have picked first? Uh, then I would take Joe Burrow. So now I've think about it. that. Yeah. That's that's fact. The, uh, the most uh, beloved the flowing locks. We got all the Trevor Lawrence love, but 
just nine games of seeing a guy actually do it in the NFL is bigger than all of that. Because remember, Burrow, just two years ago, before the first, last LSU year, was a fifth-round pick. So what we've seen from him in two years has moved him ahead of the best prospect since Andrew Luck. And I think Herbert, I'm guessing, if he was back in the draft, you would take him over both Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. Oh, yeah, Herbert by far. Herbert, and, Herbert no doubt about it. And Burrow, to, to your point, also did that on a, on a bad roster. I mean, Cincinnati oh. was not a great team, and he, and he had a pretty good year when he was out there. And, and last piece of this puzzle, how just a few games can change our opinions, and is that good or bad? I don't know. I think sometimes it's too much. Sometimes it's not enough. But, but Tua is Tua obviously goes behind Herbert, behind Burrow, behind Lawrence. But who else amongst the five quarterbacks taken in the first 15 picks, do you take Zach Smith or do you take Tua? Do you take Uh, – go down that list and tell me who do you take Tua before, if anyone. I would take Tua before Zach Wilson. Ooh! Um, Yeah, I would would That's crazy. Yeah, I would take Tua before Zach Wilson. um, And I would take – I'm trying to think. I would take him over Mac Jones. Okay. But now he was I the prob- fifth one. That kind of makes sense, though. I don't yeah. agree with it. I, I I don't think that I would take him over Trey Lance. So so you t- think Lance should have went ahead of Wilson? Yeah, I, I'm just not a big on Zach Wilson. Okay. I, just, I, I don't think that I and especially the destination and where he's going. I I just don't see that being. I, I don't know what the Jets have that make you feel good about, oh, well, just, you know, switching the quarterback should make everything better. Yeah, I'm not a Sam Darnold but, guy, but... But remember now, we're not talking about, who like, buying stock in their stats on the Jets, specifically, but rather if you were starting a team and you had your own infrastructure around them, would you rather Zach Wilson or Tua? I'd take Tua. Okay, yeah. okay. I think Zach Wilson's lack of flowing locks is killing him here. <laughs> um, now, the, it's such a fascinating question. Now I'm going to turn it one more 25-degree angle. Aaron Rodgers. So now the question is, you're paying Aaron Rodgers. Probably you're going to have to re-sign him if you trade, you know, give him a bonus or whatever extra money, uh, you know, restructure. So imagine he's making 40. That's probably the number. So now do you want who? Joe Burrow? You know, we can go up and down this list. Where does you've just kind of made the list with the second year guys and the first year guys? Where does Andrew, or specifically, where does Aaron Rodgers go at 40 million and at almost 40 years old? He's in that 40 40 club. That's not a good club to be in necessarily. Where does he go? I take Aaron Rodgers first over everyone. Yeah, over everybody. His hair doesn't compare with Trevor Lawrence. I don't understand. No, <laughs> I know. But but you realize that at most there's two good years left. Yeah, I, I just think that those two good years, I, I think I have a better idea of what I'm going to get from those two years than I do from the unknowns of some of these other but guys. But is Herbert an unknown? I haven't seen it for a second year, and I've well, seen I it know. for a part of one year. And, and so, like, I, I just – look, I love Herbert. I love the upside. I think he's got an opportunity to be to be really, really good. But I want to see it a second year. And, and if he does it for a second year, then I would probably lean to Herbert and the future of him over Aaron Rodgers. Well, yeah, because Aaron Rodgers is going to be in a walker before too long. <laughs> I mean, Mackenzie, i got to bring you in for the vo- – I mean, usually I don't always agree with Jonas because I'm sharp, but – 
I some, <laughs> I sometimes, or most of the time, I see his logic. This seems wacky to me. I totally get that any rookie you could debate, even the, uh, a rookie like Trevor Lawrence, that is as loved as anyone. I'm a Trevor Lawrence skeptic. That has been stated. We know it. But even so, you could say he's got all the tools. He's got the hair. He's got everything. It's like if he hits, you're getting 15 years of that probably. If he doesn't hit, you're getting zero of good play, let's say, right? And obviously there's a spectrum, but let's just say it's a binary, and that's the two choices. You know you're going to get elite play from Aaron Rodgers, though, though again, I would make the case five out of the last six years he's been a little bit above average, and one of the last six he's been extraordinary, and you know what? The most recent has been the extraordinary. So you got to give that extra weight, no doubt. But you got two or three years left, so you got 5x the time, you know there's at least a 50% chance Lawrence hits. Wouldn't you rather have a 50% chance at 15 years than you would a 100% chance at three years? Mackenzie, put that Yale degree to use. I would like the possibility of seven and a half expected quality quarterback season. So I would take the 15-year guy with the 50-50 chance that he's just no good. What the heck does seven and a half have to do with any of this? 15 years, 50% chance that he's good, seven and That's a half not expected the way. No. quality years. No? Zero or 50. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, uh, Jonas, we love disagreement. We don't ever try to bully people. You better say it. No. But do you see our point, or are you still where you are? Uh, no, I listen, I, I, I understand your point. I just know what I got in Aaron Rodgers. I'd rather deal with that for two, three years Boy, than, than the unknown. When you say deal with, I think you're saying something there. <laughs> All right, so this is great, because this was an impromptu kind of debate. But there is uncertainty with Burrow. But today, it seems like in the news, some of that uncertainty has been addressed. Yeah, and his surgeon, the guy who did the operation on Joe Burrow's injured knee last year in speaking with uh, Adam Schefter of ESPN, uh, he says that he uh, is expecting Burrow to be ready to go. Obviously, the Bengals open up the season on Fox at home hosting the Minnesota Vikings. So here's my skeptics question. When does a doctor when does a team when does a player ever acknowledge the fragility the fragileness of an injured athlete meaning after rg3's rookie year got hurt in the playoffs uncle mike shanahan making some controversial decisions (laughs) um the there wasn't next year there wasn't a oh man he's never going to be the same you know you, you hear that press conference so do we just discount this as just uh, pointless talk that doesn't cost him anything? Or, Jonas, do we think the fact he's talking, the fact he's out there talking is the good sign? That if he wasn't healthy, if he wasn't going to be 100%, they wouldn't say anything. Is the fact of him talking the good sign, or is this kind of pointless? I, I also, well, I, I, think it's, I think it's a good sign, and, I, and I'm not too concerned with it. Obviously, I'm always aware of if a guy comes off an injury like that, especially there was an angle where they showed the way his knee bent. It was an Ugh. awful injury. It was terrible. Um, and just to see how the pocket collapsed around him. So, of course, my, my senses are heightened to keep an eye out on that, because that could be an issue moving forward but with Joe Burrow I don't look at him like 
a guy who relies solely on his legs. He's mobile enough. He's athletic enough for sure. But if this were a Lamar Jackson or a Deshaun Watson, a guy who really relied on his mobility, I'd be more concerned with it. I, I just think he's mm. he's much more dependent on throwing the ball as opposed to using his mobility. So therefore, I'm not as concerned as I would be for other guys. That's Jonas Sox. We're straight out of Vegas. I'm RJ Bo. Does that presuppose then that you think his mobility will be hindered, that you're saying because of the severity of that injury, and we're speculating here, um, because of the severity of that injury, that the fact he doesn't rely on his mobility means his decrease of mobility doesn't really hurt him that bad, but that presupposes a decrease. Or are you saying it's possible and that's the risk is less because it doesn't mean as much. You don't know it's going to decrease. I mean, obviously you don't know for sure, but it sounds like you sense that there will be a, a decrease. Yeah, I don't know how anybody is the same after suffering an injury like that. You know, even you know people that make you know they recover from it and they come back. I don't know that you're that you're ever the same following a major surgery like that. It's why I'm also curious to see you know the minor surgery, Tom. Brady had on his knee. I, you know, I'm, I'm just wondering. Anytime somebody cuts you open, you know, how is that going to look afterwards? And and so yeah, I I do think there could be a little bit of an issue. Maybe he's not quite as mobile, Joe Burrow, um, as, as he was before coming off the injury. But I I, I don't I don't look at it. Yeah, like but the move, I think the movement in the pocket is. They said Mac Jones was an example, and Brady's an example where they don't seem mobile, but their movement in the pocket, five feet one way, five feet the other is really important and they say Joe Burrow meets that that he falls in that category that he's um he's sneakily good moving left to right and shuffling in the pocket and thus that would be a question after the injury yeah and and also the fact that it was you know a major like there was also additional issues that they found upon doing the surgery Uh, I think it was uh his ACL and MCL were torn and and the wording on it was that there was additional structural damage to the knee so it's something to watch um and, and and I'm fascinated to see how he is in the pocket it's why I, I was surprised that they went the, and made the decision to draft a wide receiver when yes. they had Panay Sewell sitting there. I didn't well, understand. Well, remember now, it wasn't their – yeah, it was the Bengals' decision, but by all accounts, Joe Burrow was a strong advocate to draft a receiver, which to me, you know, formerly of LSU, to me that means – that he's not that worried about his knee because if you yeah. and maybe that's just irrational optimism from an athlete, but if you're really worried, you don't want to take another hit on that knee. Aren't you more inclined to want the lineman? Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah, and, and especially a guy who many people projected uh, being a you know a top two or three talent in the entire draft. He was sitting there, he was available, and they just went ahead and went with wide receiver. I didn't you know and and. Joe Burrow obviously played with Jamar Chase, so he knows him and they have a relationship. But I just I can't help but think about the way that knee looked, the injury, how devastating it was. I'd want to I'd want to protect him as much as possible. And I felt yeah. like they missed an opportunity. But in a way, him having his say, here's the thing. If you think about a team's long term viability is keeping a quarterback that really in five years could leave or at least at that point be franchised and leave in six or seven. If the idea of that is that ultimately Joe Burrow staying is more important than any other decision you might make, whatever the marginal difference was between the lineman and the receiver, if Joe Burrow is really behind the receiver, really he's probably the right selection. Even if you had the receiver 12th on your board and you had the lineman third. So you're thinking, man, there's a pretty major difference here. There's nine slots different. 
But how much is those nine slots worth when we all know everyone's grading is imperfect, when the quarterback's either going to be happy or mad based on what you do they probably made the smart decision even if they didn't like the receiver the best now you add in if he gets hurt again yeah it gets complicated because he obviously has the best feel of how injured he is but again some some athletes have irrational optimism so the Bengals aren't known to make great decisions but that was a complicated one let's do this let's take our first break when we come back, we're going to talk a little Aaron Rodgers because it's contractually obligated. But then quickly, we're going to the early preview on this NBA game. It starts before the end of the hour. We'll be previewing it here in just a few minutes. That's coming up next. But first, Straight Out of Vegas is brought to you by NHTSA. There's no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. Law enforcement are writing tickets, so why take the risk? Do the smart thing and start buckling up every trip, day or night. Click it or ticket, paid for by NHTSA. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the words, then the heavens gonna fall. The government runs the business. I'm RJ Bell, and we're straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will take a day, our daily look at the Aaron Rodgers situation with the Green Bay Packers. And with very degrees of passive aggressiveness, I'll be anti-Aaron Rodgers because that's my role. <laughs> and I like it because I don't want to be on his side. I don't. I'm sorry. If you don't like that, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is a great day to join because we're being as honest as we can be. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audience is doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much for the support, and we're going to keep delivering for you. You can listen on the iHeartRadio app. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas. Here in Vegas, on the Strip, 96 degrees, the neon is pumping. So, RJ, we continue to monitor the situation in Green Bay between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Uh, TMZ's uh, had video and and cameras out and saw Aaron Rodgers land with his fiancée in Hawaii. So he's trying to get out of the uh, the Green Bay heat uh, and escaping to Hawaii heat. (laughs) But nonetheless, uh, we are still waiting to see whether or not he will be under center for the Green Bay Packers week one. Has Aaron Rodgers, he's never been married, has he? No, I don't believe so, no. Okay. I mean, you think there's been a secret, like Bob Dylan had a secret marriage. You think yeah, there's I been mean, a secret marriage? Who knows? He's a very private guy. I'm not saying there's any relation here at all. <laughs> I'm not, but it, it's kind of, well, I'm not even going to say it. Was, <laughs> all right. So now, <laughs> I don't think I've ever not said something, but I'm not. Okay. Here it is. <laughs> It'd be funny if it was Liberace music in the background right now. Now, here's what I would say is Albert Breer was talking and talking about the very trades. And this is one of the perspective ones. Three first rounders and Drew Locke. One, I don't know if that's worth it or not. Because, I mean, he he had a hell of a year. And one of the things about Aaron Rodgers is, and I think this is condemning, but it also is something to consider – it felt like Jordan Love being drafted led him to try extra hard, you know, focus, off-season work, etc. 
And he had his best year in six years, and maybe his best year ever, but certainly his a, an A-plus year for the first time in six years. Was that a choice? Because if he could have done it just because he was peeved, that means his lack of being peeved or his lack of motivation caused the five lesser years prior. And they weren't just by a little bit. We looked at QBR. He had like an average QBR over those five years. Average, not even above. I'm not saying he wasn't above average. Stats sometimes don't give you the whole story, but he wasn't that far above, and the stats said average. And then he had, it could be said, one of the best years in the history of the NFL. I mean, really, it was an amazing year last year. Was that just random? Was it fluky, or was it lack of effort? Now the question is, let's assume effort was an issue. How effort-driven will he be this year? Because if he somehow goes back to Green Bay... I can't imagine he's going to want to put up the same year because he's going to feel like, oh, I'm doing it for the guys I hate, apparently. So if you trade for him, you could make the case that he's going to be super motivated to prove Green Bay wrong, to show everyone it was worth trading for him. So, Jonas, let me ask you this. Would you agree that if I said we could have two universes, like a simulation, one, he goes back to Green Bay and we look at his QBR, the other, he goes anywhere else, and we look at his QBR. I think that I would bet major money on the non-Green Bay QBR being higher because of motivation. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, I would agree. Yeah, I think I think if he goes to, say, Denver, just for example, I think he has a better year there than if he stays in Green Bay. And Denver is a place you could say he has more playmakers, though obviously 26-6 and six the last two years in the regular season is mighty good for Green Bay as a team, for LaFleur as a coach. Now here's the next question. If you're Green Bay and you're looking to keep your job and you know, as I've coined the phrase, the Jordan Love judgment is coming. The Jordan Love judgment, you get the J's, alliteration, is coming and I think they want to delay it a year. To me, if you can get a quarterback coming back like a Derek Carr, a guy who's a top 12 quarterback, now all of a sudden, Jordan Love, there might not even be that judgment because if somehow Carr kicks butt, you resign him, hey, Jordan Love's a backup or Jordan Love gets traded. But if you're winning, no one's going to be mad. You're not gonna, if, you, if you go 11-6, and six, you're not going to get fired if you traded for Carr. But if Jordan Love has to start this year, the judgment is coming. And by all accounts, it's not going to be a pleasant one for Green Bay. Now, it could be. He could surprise. But they're playing the numbers. It's a calculated risk. And don't you agree, Jonas, that all this Denver talk and the idea of uh, Drew Locke coming back, I have zero interest in Drew Locke being that, that stepping stone. Because if so, and he plays bad, it's, you might not even get to Jordan Love. Or maybe you're forced to put Jordan Love in the middle of the year when they don't. It feels like the Raiders trade is so much more attractive yeah. than Denver. Why is the obsession with Denver? I don't understand. It's the media. It's the odds. There's something going on that isn't public because I don't understand why Green Bay would want to have the Jordan Love judgment now instead of a year from now after Derek Carr. Well, one thing that, that I've thought about, um, Green Bay got kind of burned 
in the or, or, or the, the the Oakland Raiders at the time they were the Oakland Raiders before they went to Las Vegas. Um, one of the things that happened when they traded Khalil Mack is they had two offers on the table. They had an offer from the Green Bay Packers and they had an offer from the Chicago Bears. And they took the Bears offer because they thought those first round picks were going to be worth more because they thought the Bears were going to be worse. As it turns out, it worked the opposite. Green Bay was the worst team. And so therefore, they looked back on it and said, we could have had this pick instead we had that just based on wrongly guessing uh, where, where this is going to be at. Anybody you trade Aaron Rodgers to is going to improve. So maybe Green Bay is trying to do what the Raiders were trying to do, which was, all right, what are those first-round picks going to look like in the future? Because if, if you're talking about a pick that's in the high 20s, maybe you're not getting back the compensation that, that, that you would think you would. Yeah, but, but under that theory, Jonas, I'm starting to interrupt, but correct me if I'm wrong, wouldn't you say Denver has better prospects with Aaron Rodgers than the Raiders would? See, I, I don't know. I, I don't be, and, and I don't know because... I think he looks at a guy like an offensive-minded coach like John Gruden, and, and maybe the idea is, all right, get him with that guy who can put together this this great offense with these young, dynamic playmakers and Darren Waller and, and, and a legitimate running back, and maybe they view that as, as a significant upgrade. I also – look, he's going to then find himself in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. So, so then we've Either we've way. Got, yeah, and, and so there's going to I, – I look at – if I'm the Packers and I'm looking for value that I'm going to get back, I agree with you. It's got to be Derek Carr. Like, yeah, I need yeah. I need Derek Carr. If, Plus, if, if you if, take Derek Carr, you're getting a first-round – I mean, Derek Carr's probably worth one first-rounder. So, in a way, you're getting a first-rounder that's a sure thing, and it extends your job, it seems like. Yeah. And wherever the team that Rodgers is traded to drafts becomes less important because the draft choices become a smaller percentage of the package you're getting getting back so there's something about this rate and i'll tell you this from the vegas perspective if you say uh rank nfl teams as if quarterbacks didn't matter or another way to think of it is everyone has the same robot quarterback that plays exactly the same quality so now everything else is what matters denver is ahead of the raiders and it's not even close uh, it's really not because you think about how bad Denver's lock is, how bad he's been versus Carr being pretty good, and Denver hasn't done that much worse than the Raiders. Now you actually say even quarterbacks, and you look at the playmakers Denver has, the O line solid, the defense with you know returning guys that were hurt. Uh, I don't even think it's. I mean, McKenzie, you do the NFL pretty well. Where, where would you rank Denver versus O or the Raiders if there wasn't a quarterback factor? I think Broncos are top 10, non-quarterback, everything else. I think the Raiders are bottom 10, maybe even bottom 5. If you look at the rush defense, they don't seem to have a a very deep squad at all. Yeah, I I think Gruden, I mean, there's a lot of Gruden skeptics out there, but the one area you got to give Gruden credit for at minimum is Derek Carr is a better quarterback today than he was two years ago. And now he had that one year before he got hurt that was great, but it's been a while since then. And, and and if you take that away, the Raiders' defense is a mess. And, yeah, they got a running back, but it's at catch-22 of how much is a running back worth. At least the sabermetric guys say not a lot. So I'm interested to see what happens. And if you have a closing thought on this, Jonas, that's fine. And then let's jump to that early preview in the NBA. Well, I, I think what would be interesting is if, they if say, Green Bay does the deal with the Raiders and they get back Derek Carr, the plan is still Jordan Love's going to be your guy, right? Jordan no Love's way. Be your quarterback. This first year? 
Okay. Well, no, no. I'm saying of the future. So uh, if you well, needed, if you needed to buy more time, what if Derek Carr ends up having a good season? You've in essence walked away from Aaron Rodgers off an MVP year, Derek Carr off a good year, all for Jordan Love. And if Jordan Love well, doesn't but, but work that's out, that's the thing. Would you have to go to Jordan Love? That's. It, it seems like to me the offer, and you tell me if you agree with this. The offer Green Bay's made to Aaron Rodgers, at least been reported, pretty much makes it so Jordan Love's out. They maybe they trade him, maybe they don't, but the the restructuring would make it where they can't really get off of Rodgers as soon as they would have wanted. Which means they admit we were wrong. You were trending down. You trended up again. We're bought in. That seems like the admission Green Bay's yes. made. Wouldn't they make the same admission if Derek Carr has a good year? But that's that's where the decision comes in. If right now your whole goal is to prove that Jordan Love is your quarterback of the future, then I I don't think you make a trade this year. I I just I don't I don't think you. So you're do saying it. they feel like they're exposed to Jordan Love anyway. They got to prove he's right. That's buying time doesn't do anything for you because eventually you're going to have to prove he's right. I don't think that's true. I think they just have to have a good quarterback in there. Yeah. They, well, yeah. If they walk away from two good quarterbacks to get to Jordan Love and he, and he bombs out, then, then it's going to be one of the most damning decisions two oh, times yeah. over for the organization. But at least they kept their job one more year in that scenario. Yeah, no, very good. Which point. is like seven yeah. more million dollars for the GM. Or, I mean, that's real money for these people. <laughs> They're always thinking, can I keep this job one more year? So let's jump to the NBA because this game tips in a few. Yeah, it is the play-in tournament. It is the first of four games, a doubleheader tonight on TNT. It's the Hornets at the Pacers in the Eastern Conference. Right now, Indiana, a one-and-a-half-point favorite on pregame.com. So first thing I'll say is I think the beginning of this game is going to be boring. So I'd keep it muted if you're, you know, and stay here on Straight Out of Vegas. We're going to have some good stuff in the last segment. Now, the Hornets, this is their third road game in four days. So the energy around the play-in, the excitement, I think this is a big deal. Now, if they win, they're going to have another road game. And if they win that, they'll have another road game. So we're talking about a uh, difficult gauntlet on the road for the Hornets. You look at the Pacers just today, Levert declared out with the health and safety protocol such stuff. 20-point a game score. And McKenzie, this is a bigger absence than there's even uh, that's even obvious. Yes, because the Pacers were already thin at wing when they were having that controversy about the coach not getting along with the players. TJ Warren, you know, bubble hero from last year, said, "I'm out." He got elective surgery to end his season. That's another wing they don't have. Yes, yeah, so some real drama with the Pacers not that long ago. Uh, Hornets, obviously, Ball is the clear rookie of the year. Some people say one of the best rookie seasons we've ever seen. Because rookies usually underperform, and he plays quite well. It's impressive. A lot of optimism about him. Not a super exciting game to me, but um, we got some good ones in the play-in. Do you have any thoughts on this one, Jonas? Well, I, I see um, Indiana is off to a hot start. I know Deb Carson will have an update on on the score there, but Indiana is off to a hot start. Oh. I, I, I just I wonder from a, from a live betting standpoint um, how these games are handled. You know, there was a guy named McKenzie that said this was a three forty Pacific start. <laughs> McKenzie, how did? Uh, Trouble with the watch or what? <laughs> Any thoughts? It, it was 3.30. I don't know how I messed that up. My yeah. bad <laughs> Straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. I don't give legal advice, but I can give you a tip. 
Who was that? Remember that dude that was a political dude that was Stormy Daniels' lawyer? Um, he was kind of a good-looking dude, and he was anti-Trump. You remember who I'm talking about, Jones? Oh, no. No, I, I, I can picture this, the situation. I can't, yeah. I can't picture so the name. He ended up – he went to jail. And it was a very similar case where Nike, and I'm, I'm remembering here, so it's it could uh, be... Michael Michael Avenatti, according to it, Iowa Sam. Exactly, Avenatti. And thank you, Iowa Sam. And he supposedly, allegedly, blah, 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 he was telling Nike, hey, I know something about this, and give me some money. Or And it's right. funny because... All the time, people think normal day-to-day operations of life. It's like, well, if you do this, I'm going to do this to you. When there's money involved and there's companies, it really is extortion. And it's kind of funny because like some of the stuff that doesn't seem like that name, extortion, such a bad name. Just be careful is all I'm saying. Is, is uh, In general, my advice is get the lawyers involved early because the law is very complex. <laughs> so no legal advice, but you know, our people... Let's be honest. A lot of gamblers are on the fringe of some things. We're not, but some people are. All right, let's take our final break. When we come back, we'll we'll say goodbye to Mackenzie for a few months. But other than that, when we come back, <laughs> we're going to look at PFF, and they ranked the best quarterbacks coming into this year. Fezzik had a few thoughts on some disagreements with PFF. We'll break it down. That's coming up next, but first straight out of Vegas is brought to you by AutoZone. Dealing with a dead battery, head to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like free battery testing and free battery charging. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to AutoZone, your battery solution, and America's number one battery destination. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it, Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And R.J., play-in tournament game number one is already underway. Indiana with a 30-16 to lead over Charlotte. Four minutes and change left to go in the first quarter. And coming up later on after this one, it is the Wizards at the Celtics right now on pregame.com. Boston is a two-point favorite. Okay, now this is fascinating because Washington – is a team that started the season really poorly. And you could make the case that their COVID disruption was one of the more disruptive of any of the teams. And the Westbrook trade for Wall, it felt like it was trading, you know, uh, garbage that smells bad for different kinds of garbage that smells equally as bad. That was the sense. But let's be candid. This Westbrook trade net-net 
was a great win for Washington. Now, you could make the case it was a good win for Houston, too, because they tanked the way they wanted to, and Wall did a good job there. But the fact is, Westbrook, triple-double, some some amazing history with that, but also helping this team win. And on the other hand, you look at the Celtics, and you look since Brown's been out, and we talked about it, their most common played lineup with players available tonight has only has played less than 40 minutes on the floor together this season. In only four games they were together, that lineup of five players, less than 40 minutes combined, and they were 0-4 in those games. If you actually go to a lineup that's ever played when they actually had a winning record with that lineup, it's like 19 minutes. This is almost <laughs> like a new team. Now, you could say, well, the fifth guy doesn't matter all that much. Well, Brown was not the fifth guy. So Fezzik has it about a point and a half. Brown is worth. McKenzie says two. I'm more towards two. But I think for this team, it might be even more than that. And I think Westbrook's energy versus what I think is going to be apathy to some degree from the Celtics, I like Washington here. And I don't bet a lot of early NBA playoff games, but I'm going to make this a pizza bet where it's in a bet. I'm betting it. But better for the amount, what I would suggest that you buy pizza. Now, some people get faux gras. They get a $100 pizza. <laughs> Others get the Tony's pizza with the pepperoni. It looks like it's from nuclear <laughs> reactions or something. But I'm telling you, whatever it is, I'm making a pizza bet on Washington plus two. What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't like the Celtics at all. And I don't know how, based on everything that they've showed us this year, just the the win one game, lose the next, think they're, they're on a hot street, they've rattled off three big wins, then they lose their next four. I don't know how you can trust this team in a big moment, in a big spot. It just it feels like they're done with this season and they're ready to be done with this season. And um, you're making a great point. The Celtics don't have any sense they can win at all. No. Now, consider that they've made the conference finals, what, two of the last three years. Yeah. So it's not like it's like saying, hey, get excited about the pigtail match to get into the tournament. Like what they used to do with the wrestlers that weren't very good. They'd have the pigtails (laughs) out there. And even though you've been in the state finals, to extend the analogy, two of the last three years, I've come around on this concept, by the way. I used to think these are pros. And, yes, some games are down, some games are up, but come playoffs and such, they're going to be up. You can't turn the dial past 10, you know, that kind of mentality. I I think I've been wrong about some of that because, you know, listen, Jordan is Jordan. But I was watching on YouTube, it just happened to come up, NBA players talking about Jordan, right? And they're talking about they said one thing to him in a preseason game, and three years later he's still crushing them, you know, getting put up 44 but it really did seem like that though he played hard every game, Jordan had another gear. And when the when when he felt like he was taking it personally, which is the meme, is that he had another level. Well, I don't know about another level above ten, but I think there's players today that have a level below ten, even when you think it wouldn't be possible, like the playoffs. Do you think Jonas honestly? that that Celtics team really wants to play a seven-game series against Brooklyn. 
which is, I guess, if they win tonight, is what it would be. And I mean, what's the chance to win that series? And they, no. you got to try. You got to play seven games. You're not making hardly any more money. I mean, I'm not saying they're throwing the game, but how much heart and fire do they really have to go to the Wolves in a way if they do win this game? Well, and I also I've thought about this as well too. How many of these guys? And I think this is totally human nature. They go to the bubble. They're there isolated away from everybody else. They, they're there for a long time. The Celtics were there uh, as long as longer than anybody outside of the other three teams that went to the conference finals. And then you come back on a shortened offseason, and you're already playing games again, and then you're seeing the country open up. I, just, I think there's a natural fatigue. I think there's a, man, I need to get away from basketball. I need to just get out. I need to, and, and I, I think that's a real thing that's happening, and, and I just wonder if that's also playing a factor especially late in the season after the Jalen Brown injury with this Celtics roster. I think that makes human nature sense if you don't think you can win it. Yeah. If you think you can win it, if anything, you drifted probably at the end of the year. And I think any team, and and, and this is the question, typically in the playoffs, a team like the Phoenix Suns, a team like the Utah Jazz, we downgrade. Why is that? Because the differentiator during the regular season was mostly effort. Yeah, they did a lot of things right, but they differentiated themselves with effort. The Knicks would be another team that falls into that category. Three teams, Utah, Phoenix, and the Knicks, I'd put right at the top of that category. Effort was great. In the playoffs, the assumption is the effort's great by all the teams. So now you don't have that as a differentiation. Now it's just about talent. So a team like the Nets, that maybe the effort wasn't always there, is going to do better relatively. I wonder this year... If the effort will, like Phoenix will keep trying, Utah will, the Knicks will, but are we sure that the other teams will? Because if they don't think they can win it, what's the point? So maybe there's some talented, like a Portland, you know, talented team doesn't always try super hard. Is there a possibility they're not going to try super hard because they don't think they can win it? What do you think? You know, I, I think it's a, I think it's a real thing, and and I think that that's maybe why a lot of players were against this play in tournament. All right, we'll we'll get to the PFF grades of the quarterbacks tomorrow. Straight Out of Vegas is brought to you by AutoZone. Dealing with a dead battery, head to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like free battery testing and free battery charging. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to AutoZone, your battery solution, and America's number one battery destination. We are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight Out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.